Welcome to today's message by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church is located in Rock Falls at 2002 9th Avenue, just across from the Dillon Grade. Pastor Tommy would like to invite you to be a part of their Sunday services. The Sunday school hour is at 10 a.m., followed by their morning worship at 11 a.m., or their evening service at 6 p.m. They would also love to have you be a part of their midweek services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We hope you will get a blessing this morning as Pastor Tommy brings you a message from the Word of God. Good morning. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. Hope to be a blessing today, and we do appreciate you listening this morning, and I hope that we can give you something that will be a help to you. And if you've never visited Liberty Baptist Church, we'd love to have you come one of these days. We are just a little over a month away from celebrating our fourth anniversary, and boy, have these last four years went by quick, and we just thank the Lord that He brought us to this area, and He's blessed our church. We're very thankful for the people that are in our church and just what a blessing they've been to us and I would love to have you come and give us a visit one of these days and so this morning I'm going to start things off I've got a couple uh, jokes I want to tell you this morning that I hope will give you a laugh so here we go a little girl dressed in her Sunday best was running as fast as she could trying not to be late for Bible class as she ran she prayed dear Lord please don't let me be late Dear Lord, please don't let me be late. As she was running and praying, she tripped on her curb and fell, getting her clothes dirty and tearing her dress. She got up, brushed herself off, and started running again. As she ran once again, she began to pray, Dear Lord, please don't let me be late, but please don't shove me either. Well, I thought it was funny. Well, let's try this one. I know many of you will appreciate this one. A little boy who wanted $100 very badly prayed for two weeks, but nothing happened. Then he decided to write God a letter requesting $100. When the postal authorities received the letter to God, they decided to send it to the president. The president was so impressed and touched and amused that he instructed his secretary to send the boy $50. The president thought that this would appear to be a lot of money to the little boy. The little boy was delighted with the $50 and immediately sat down to write a thank you note to God that read, Dear God, thank you very much for sending me the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C. And as usual, those devils took half of it. Well, anyway, I know most of you probably appreciated that one and that just seemed a little all too real right there. I don't know what would give the postal guys the idea to think to send something addressed to God to the president. That sounds a little blasphemous to me. But anyway, well, right now, this morning, what I want to talk to you for a little while about is the subject of what's next after salvation. There are many people that you talk to today that if you ask them if they know they're going to heaven, they'll tell you, yes, I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know that I'm saved. And many times, that's enough for most folks. They feel like if they're saved, then that's all they really need to worry about. They got their ticket to heaven, and they're all good. But the truth is, God wants something from us after we're saved. I believe that there are things the Bible talks about that accompany 
salvation. I believe God does expect some things from us. And these things are not conditional to get into heaven or something that you have to do to keep your salvation. We've talked about that many times, how uh, we don't believe you can lose your salvation here. And salvation is a free gift. But I do believe that God wants something from us. That there are things that come after salvation and you don't have to do these things. But I believe you will be happier if you do. You will live a more blessed life if you do. And you will definitely be glad you did them when you get to heaven and you stand before God on judgment day. You can just go ahead and get the ticket into heaven and just be content with that. But I promise someday you will be very sorry that that was all you did. So what do we do next? What does the Bible expect from us? And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Follow his steps. We're going to follow the steps of Christ this morning. And what I want us to do, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. And we're not going to read for time's sake all of Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4. But I believe when we look at the life of Christ and we read about the very beginning of his ministry, I think we see a very clear picture in here of what God expects from us after we get saved. And there may be some listening today, you are saved, but that's about it. You're not really doing anything for God. And maybe you don't know what to do next. You don't know what's expected. You don't know what step number two is. And so I hope this will be a help to you. And so I believe we get a glimpse of, of what comes next by just looking at Jesus' life. The Bible said he left us an example that we should follow his steps. And in Matthew chapter 3, we see the beginning of Christ's ministry. Now, there's a big difference between Jesus and us. And one difference between Christ and us is Jesus never had to get saved because Jesus Christ never had any sin. Jesus didn't have anything to be saved from. He was the Savior. So we don't read about a salvation experience of Jesus Christ because he didn't need one because he was the Savior, because he was without sin. You and I, though, we do need salvation. We do need to be born again. And I'm talking this morning to people who are born again, people who are saved. And I want to talk to you about what you should be doing next by the example that Jesus Christ set. And so the very first thing we see with Jesus Christ in the very beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then jump down to verse 11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee, in verse 13, to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, 
in whom I am well pleased. The first thing we see in the life of Christ once his, before he started his ministry was his baptism. And I believe first thing you need to do after you get saved is you need to be baptized. You need to go and have water baptism. Baptism in the proper way through immersion. Jesus and John the Baptist, they went into the water. Why? Because he was going to put him under the water. The sprinkling, that is not baptism. And that's another subject for another day. But Jesus Christ, he was baptized. And when we get baptized, we are publicly identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. Where, because baptism, that's something that Jesus did. And we are doing the same thing. It's a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. And it is something that he gave to the church to do. And when we get baptized, we are publicly identifying ourselves with Christ. We're making a public statement that we have given our heart to Christ, that he saved our soul, and we're wanting to live for him. And Jesus Christ himself got baptized. Why? To fulfill all righteousness. He was setting an example for us. And baptism is something that comes only after salvation. It's not something you do before. And a great example of that in Acts chapter 8, if you read uh, the story about the Ethiopian eunuch that got baptized, I want to show you something very interesting here. But Matthew 8.36 says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Not just anybody can be baptized. Now, anybody can go get dunked under water. Anybody can go put somebody under the water. Any church can say they're baptizing people. But a legitimate scriptural baptism is not for everybody. There's only really one kind of person that can be baptized scripturally. And we see that in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. This is a very crucial and key verse. And if you're following along with your NIV Bible today, you will notice this verse is not in your Bible. Acts 8.37 is not in the NIV Bible. And that ought to get you scratching your head a little bit. And um, I think it's very convenient that they took this out of their Bibles. But Acts chapter 8, verse 37, he said, or verse 36, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And notice what 37 says. If you have an NIV Bible, you're not going to be able to read it. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why would they leave that out? Why would they do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this right here proves the only ones that can be baptized are those who are saved. How do you get saved? Well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Philip's asking him here, hey, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And right here, Philip confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus. He believes in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead. This eunuch got saved. And therefore, in verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. If you got your NIV Bible, it reads something like this. And they went on their way. They came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Boy, pretty convenient verse to be left out. Right there shows that 
There's nothing hindering you to be baptized. Therefore, anybody can be baptized. Babies can be baptized. You know, lost people can be baptized. No, only those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you get saved and then you get baptized. And right there is proof that it has been conveniently left from some of these other translations of the Bible. And if I were you, I go get me a King James and you won't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But that also is another subject for another day. So we know, we see that Jesus, when he got baptized, he went to somebody that was preaching the truth to be baptized. John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Jesus went to a man that wasn't afraid to preach the truth. He was somebody that preached repentance. He was somebody that called sin, sin. I mean, he made Herod's wife mad at him because he called them out for being adulterers. And, you know, a lot of people today, they don't like strong preaching. They don't like preaching against sin. They don't like somebody getting up and saying, thus saith the Lord. Some of you probably got offended because I called out the NIV Bible for a very wicked thing to just remove something from the scripture go read revelation 22 and see if that's something we ought to be doing but many people they can't handle that kind of thing but notice that's who jesus went to to be baptized and jesus said there was no other man born of women greater than john the baptist so obviously jesus didn't have a problem with somebody who's a strong preacher i mean john the baptist he called out the pharisees i mean he called them vipers he called them all kinds of things he just spoke the truth and that's who Jesus went to to be baptized. And if you're going to be baptized, you need to go to a church that's preaching the truth. You need to go to a church that uh, has their doctrine straight, that believes in the Word of God and practices it. And that's exactly who Jesus went to to be baptized. So the first thing you need to do after salvation, you need to get baptized. And then I want you to notice the next thing that's going to happen after salvation, after you get baptized, and I have seen this over and over again in the lives of people after they get saved and it's it's sad but it's we were we were warned Matthew 4 1 right after Jesus has been baptized says then was Jesus led up of the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil after you get baptized I'm just going to warn you right now if you haven't been baptized and you decide to get baptized you're going to be tempted of the devil the devil is going to attack you like probably never before. After you get saved, he's lost your soul. But you now are a great threat because you could be an influence to many other people and many other people could get saved as a result of it. So he is going to try to get you off that path of righteousness. He's going to try to get you away from God, get you backslidden right away. And when you just get saved, you're just a babe in Christ. You're just getting started and the devil, he's he plays dirty. He's going to attack you while you're weak. He's going to get you at your most vulnerable point. And almost every time after people get baptized, you will see the devil just attack these folks. And it's a sad thing. But listen, there's going to be temptations and suffering after you choose to follow Christ. First Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We read that at the beginning. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 
who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Right there we see the suffering that Christ had, and you know what? We're going to have some of that too. We've been called unto First Peter or Thessalonians three four, for verily when you were we were with you we told you before that you should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know for this cause when I could no longer forbear I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity. And that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Right here, Paul told them, I, I told you all, when we leave the tempter, he's going to come after you. And Paul was encouraged because these folks, even though they had been tempted, they had kept the faith, they'd stayed strong, and it was an encouragement to him. And it, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're saved and you've never been baptized and you decide you want to start following the Lord now, you want to get right and just start uh, on the right path and you get baptized, I can promise you you're going to be tempted of the devil real quick right after that. And it's not going to be fun. The devil is tricky. He plays dirty. I mean, he has no rules. He will do whatever he can to trip you up, to get you away from God. And so, just what you got to stand strong. You got to do right. You know, the suffering of a believer is nothing compared to what's waiting for us in heaven. Romans eight sixteen says, "The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together." For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Many people will ask questions like, you know, why is the Lord allowing me to suffer? Why does He allow this pain in my life? And the truth is, the reason God allows suffering for us as Christians is because He knows the rewards that's waiting for us. Many times we look at ourselves and we think we're a victim. We feel like we're being shortchanged. We feel sorry for ourselves. But God knows what's waiting for us. And He knows that when we see the payoff, we're going to say it was well worth it. You know, the truth is there's been many times, or I guess a, a good way to illustrate this, it would be like me if I asked you to do some work for me. Maybe I asked you to dig a ditch. Now, digging a ditch isn't any fun. It's a lot of work. And maybe you were out there and you were digging and you were out there and you were sweating and you were tired. Maybe you were about ready to pass out. You're about ready to give up. And I'm just watching, seeing you suffer, but I know what your payoff's going to be. I'm planning on paying you 100 bucks an hour. Now, the truth is, most of us, we'd suffer for quite a while and we'd dig for quite a while if we were getting paid $100 an hour. And the truth is, God's told us a lot about our rewards for serving Him, but it's something that we can't see physically it's something that we just see by faith and while maybe we struggle with the faith to believe God's going to come through 
He knows that He is going to come through. And He knows that when we receive our rewards, that we are going to say, it was worth it. We will be glad that we suffered for Christ. We will be glad we went through whatever it was we went through. It was worth it. And so, you're not being shortchanged. God's not being cruel. The payoff is going to be well worth it. The truth is, if you if you will still suffer, or the, or the truth is you're still going to suffer if you do not follow Christ, and you will suffer with nothing to look forward to. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's still a lot of suffering going on in the world for lost people, for people who aren't serving God, for backslidden people. There's a lot of suffering out there, but they don't have any of the promises that come with the suffering that we endure. There are no rewards waiting as a result of their suffering. They are just reaping the rewards of their own sin. And so, suffering for Christ, it's its not a big deal. It's completely worth it. And so, Jesus Christ, He went and He was tempted to the devil. We're not going to read through it, but Jesus Christ didn't give in. He stayed strong. He quoted Scripture to the devil. And finally, the devil, He left him. But then in verse 11, after Satan leaves him, it says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Listen, when you get saved and you start following Christ, the devil, he is going to wear you out. And we see in the story that Jesus had gone 40 days without food. He obviously was tired. He was weak. And angels came and they ministered to him. They took care of him. They gave him his, got his strength back. And we don't know what all happened. But I'm going to tell you right now, every Christian person, every believer needs to be ministered to sometimes. And that's why we have the church. That's why you need to be a part of a church. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need that encouragement from other believers. You're not going to get it from the world, but you can get it in the house of God. And after you get baptized, you are going to be tempted of the devil. Be ready for those temptations. But listen, get into a good church. Let those people minister it to you. Let that preacher preach to you and let his words encourage you and motivate you and let other believers in the church you know, exhort you and lift you up. We all need it. It is so important. If you're not in church, you're not going to be a very good Christian. If you're not in church, you're, you're in disobedience to God. You're not going to be following Christ like you should. You're not going to be being an encouragement to other believers. It's amazing how many people call themselves Christians and have no interest in being a part of a church. No interest in being a part of the house of God. No interest in being around the believers. The Bible says we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. If you can't stand other Christians, well, maybe it's because you're not one. And boy, I, it's sad how many Christian people who don't go to church try to act like they're the most spiritual ones out there. The truth is, there might not be a spiritual bone in your body. You may still be in your sin, and you might want to check up. If you've got a problem with being around other Christians, something's wrong, and that's another subject too. But you know, we all need that ministering. The Bible says angels came and ministered to him, and I believe that they were angels. But did you know sometimes the Bible refers to even pastors? 
as angels. Sometimes an angel just means a messenger. And in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, you'll see that many times. Under the angel of the church of Smyrna, under the church, uh, the uh, angel of the church of Laodicea, to the angel, to the, to the messenger, okay, to the pastor. And the messages that you get in church are a help to you. They're, they're meant to minister to you, to encourage you, to help you, sometime to reprove, sometime to rebuke, like 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So right there we see angels ministering to Christ. And when you after you get saved and baptized and you get those temptations of the devil, you need to be in a good church so you can be ministered to. But then real quickly, we see Jesus right in Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 be, uh, began preaching the gospel. In verse 17 it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those words are interesting because that's the exact same thing that John the Baptist was preaching. Jesus started proclaiming the gospel. And you know what? After you get saved, there needs to come a time, a point in time in your life where you start telling other people about Christ. Where you start sharing the gospel. And you know, we're not here to start a new message. Jesus didn't start a new message. He told the same thing that John the Baptist was. And we are to continue telling the same old story that Jesus Christ told 2,000 years ago. The Bible says in Galatians 1 that we're not supposed to preach any new gospel. Even if it comes from an angel, we are not to receive it. So start sharing the gospel. If you're not to that point yet, you need to get to that point. Start sharing the gospel and then in Matthew 4, verse 18 through 25, we see Jesus Christ begins to gather his disciples. And that's another thing that we need to do. We need to recruit more people, not just to get saved, but to start teaching them and training them to tell other people how to be saved. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Multiplication. There's only so much that one person can do. But if we'll go recruit a couple people, that will recruit a couple more people, and so on, we can start making a huge impact. And that is the pattern that Jesus Christ left. And it is exactly what we see that we're supposed to do in our lives. If you've been saved today, you need to get baptized. If you've been baptized, well, you need to get in church because you're going to be tempted to the devil and you need to be ministered to. And then after you've been ministered to for a while, and as you grow, you need to start preaching the gospel yourself. And then after you start doing that, you need to start training those people that you've won to be followers of Christ and to be soul winners themselves. That is God's plan that he gave. Let's follow the steps of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this was a help to you, and I hope that you will get busy serving God. Thank you for listening to the message this morning by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. We hope you were blessed and invite you to tune in next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. as Pastor Tommy brings you more truths from God's Holy Word. For more information about Liberty Baptist Church, visit their website at experience-liberty.com or you can email them at libertybc2011 at att.net.